welcome to the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. I'm David Lorimer, co-editor of a new book, Spiritual Awakenings, Scientists and Academics Describe Their Experiences. It's published by the Academy for the Advancement of Post-Materialist Sciences and is available in paperback and Kindle editions. In this series of weekly podcasts, we'll be sharing the 57 original essays together with introductions and epilogue from my co-editor, Professor Marjorie Willicott. We hope you enjoy them. A Day in April by Hardin Tibbs One day in April 1978, I had an experience that felt like a kind of inner earthquake and which initiated an extended process of personal transformation. This spiritual awakening was the culmination of a personal search triggered some years earlier. During a holiday in North Wales, I had been shown how to douse, an experience that, according to my scientific worldview at the time, ought not to be happening. My immediate thought was, if this is true, what else might be true? What if God exists? I decided I had better find out. And so my search began. I soon discovered Watkins' esoteric bookshop in Charing Cross and began reading voraciously. I studied for two years under a Sri Lankan Buddhist monk who was living in London. And I practiced biofeedback-based meditation under physicist and researcher Maxwell Cade, who, with Jeff Blundell, had invented the Mind Mirror, a portable, real-time electroencephalograph display. All this led me to Subud, described by Lawrence Blair in his book Rhythms of Vision and by John Bennett in his autobiography Witness. Subud is an experiential spiritual practice that came from Indonesia in the late 1950s. John Bennett was one of the earliest Westerners to experience it, having previously been a proponent of Gurdjieff's spiritual method. Blair's description prompted me to track down a Subud group in London and I applied to join. I then experienced my own version of what he had described in his book. The spiritual process at the heart of the Subud experience arises from and operates in a spiritual domain which Western cultures have all but forgotten. The basic Subud experience is described using the Indonesian word latihan, which means training. Although at times it resembles physical exercise, this training is of the inner self and relates to its growth and connection with the outer self. The power behind the latihan is referred to as the great life force, or the power of God. That day in April, I was asked to stand quietly with my eyes closed and to receive the latihan for the first time. At first, nothing seemed to happen, but then I began to move spontaneously. Small movements at first, and then I started to walk. The feeling was as if you relaxed your arm, say, and allowed someone else to move it. You can stop it at any time by tensing your muscles, but if you allow the movement to happen, in the latihan, gradually your whole body begins to move, and you might walk, run, jump, dance or sing, in a stream of training activity flowing from the inner self. The most remarkable aspect of my first latihan was the impact on how I felt inwardly. I felt as if I had experienced a kind of inner earthquake. 
I could clearly feel I had an inner self, distinct from my ordinary sense of self. I had always identified myself with my intellect, but now I could see that the essence of my being was not my thinking brain, but was centred in my chest and would survive beyond my death. This had a profound effect on me, which took some time to absorb. A month or two later, during a regular twice-weekly half-hour Latihan session, I heard in my mind's ear these words. Your wife is having an affair. At the next opportunity, I told her about this. She said, It's true, what of it? I was stunned on several levels. After some months thinking it over, she decided she wanted to continue the affair, and we ended up divorcing. The Latihan can confront one's preconceptions with uncompromising honesty, but it always leaves the choice of action open. The question of how to act on information presented in the Latihan becomes a personal challenge that forms part of the learning process, particularly if it highlights or involves facing up to previously unseen inner emotional or psychological obstacles. Another more positive Latihan experience happened a few weeks later. I was made to lie on the floor and close my eyes. The Latihan then used my experiences with biofeedback meditation and took me rapidly to a deep meditative level and then into visual blackness, where I was no longer aware of the room or my body. I suddenly found myself high above what looked like a desert landscape, looking down as if from 35,000 feet in an aircraft. Between my vantage point and the desert surface was a layer of fluffy white clouds scudding rapidly across the landscape. Then I gradually began to descend. When I reached the cloud layer, I was rotated so that my view was now facing upwards. As I went through the clouds, I realised, oh, these are my thoughts. Then suddenly, like a jump cut, I was one with the landscape, facing upwards. Then I became aware of two things. One was that the topology of the landscape, which also resembled a complex set of musical chords sustained on some vast cathedral organ, represented my essential self, encoding my unique identity somewhat like the serrated edge of a key. I also became aware that time had stopped. As I looked upwards to where I had started high above, I could see the panorama of time stretched up from the past to the future. I realised that I could reach far up and contact any point in time, past or future. Directly overhead was the present where I had started. Instantly, after I had taken all this in, I was suddenly back in the room, lying on the floor, with time running normally again. This experience, followed by some later prompts, caused me to develop an interest in the future. This led, about ten years later, to being offered a job with a futures research consultancy in California. My new professional direction was accompanied from the outset by a deep insight into the nature of time. One practical result of this was that I was always suspicious of any overly mechanistic approach to forecasting based on a colliding billiard balls view of causation, and more open to unconventional approaches such as remote viewing. My experience of the Subhutlatihan was not a single inward event leading to specific personal changes downstream, but a continuing process of spiritual development accompanied 
by various larger and smaller experiences which cumulatively transformed my entire state of being. All this had a huge impact on my life and it certainly revolutionised my intellectual perspective. Now I knew with certainty that there is a spiritual realm existing behind or beyond the familiar physical aspect of reality. I could also see that this spiritual side of reality is not homogenous or simplistic, but that it has as much functional complexity as science has disclosed in the outer world. In effect, my sense of reality had suddenly expanded. It became obvious to me that the conventional scientific idea that everything is purely physical and that all phenomena arise from material causes is completely inadequate and superficial. Reality is imbued with a conscious awareness that is the power behind the world. The Latihan appears to be an initiative or gift from this level to counterbalance the pressure of materialism associated with advanced technology. Thanks so much for downloading the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. Do join us for the next episode.